developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to the following fine and faithful spoilerites. Jonathan Mickelberg. John Luckett, Ray Arvid Gregerson, Courtney Phillips, Jason LeClaire, Jason Fowler, Douglas Connors, Justin Higgins, George Ward, Robert Taylor, I think he was the guy from Planet of the Apes, Colin Principe, Andrew Fry, Darius Malloy, Robert Carter, Matthew Jones, Andreas Ditch, George White, Troy Huff, Alexander Attia, Matthew Bach, William Place, Aaron Stafford, and Crystal Groves. They are the Legion of Super... No, wait, sorry. There were 25 of them. I got confused. They are the fine and faithful spoilerites, and this one goes out to each and every one of they, or them, however that started. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, we may have lost the young folk, but neither rain nor snow nor dark of night can keep Steven and I from our appointed rounds, plus world fat dudes for whom going places is a pain. Thus, with Steven full of mangria and I full of crap, we've both settled in for our long winter's nap. When what did our wondering eyes should appear but Jack Knight, the Starman, and this omnibus here? Stephen hits the record key, checks for feedback and whistle. My audio track spikes in the red like a missile. Though Rodrigo and Zach long since grove out of sight, the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. And to all, a good night. Welcome to issue 553 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Oh, your Christmas is my lucky number. This is your Christmas Eve afternoon show. <laughs> Christmas afternoon, if you will. Yes. Yes. So uh, you got all your Christmas shopping done. Hopefully you've only got a few more hours before Santa Claus comes. Oh, well, lovely. It's all of yes. I completed my Christmas shopping this weekend with some shopping of a Christmas I don't, I don't know why my wife thought it was a good idea. To go to one of the uh, big chain stores this afternoon. Well, but she was like, needed to go and get something. Some poster board or some some piece of dumb thing. And uh-huh. then she came home basically saying, don't ever go on the day before Christmas because it's insane. I, I went out on Saturday in the midst of a monster lizard, uh, which means that there were two inches of snow on the ground. And Topeka traffic is nuts. It's doubly nuts on Wanamaker Boulevard, the main shopping drag. It's triply nuts on a Saturday. And you throw in the holidays, and my daughter learned some fascinating new words. Oh, I'm sure. I'm Daddy sure. Daddy was cursing in three languages all the way up and down. And, but we did finish our shopping, and wonderfully, the child is like, I have how much in my budget? And I told her, and she picked out some stuff that she really wanted to get for people. And then she's she's like, wait, I'm over budget. And I'm like, maybe a little. She's like... I have money in my purse. And she started to pull out her own money to spend it so she could get the gift she wanted. And I'm just like, oh, you know what? No, I'll, 
we'll we'll up your budget a little bit. Oh, that's nice. So that yeah, so she could get mommy the gift that she wanted. I can't tell you what it is because mommy's within earshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's always but, a bad thing. Know, my my yeah. youngest my youngest ruined my wife's Christmas gifts. We went shopping. Again? Well, I th- I don't do know if I told year? you. No, 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 no. That would probably be the other oldest. The youngest is only two, so he wasn't even speaking last year at this time. Oh. So this year he and I went shopping, and my wife was talking about these new pans that she wanted. And oh. so I saw him in the aisle, and I said, oh, we're going to get these for Mommy. You know, this will be a, a nice present for Mommy. And we get home, and my oldest son says, so what did you get? And the youngest says, pans for Mommy. It's a secret. Right in front of, <laughs> right in front of everybody. Right in front of everybody. So, well, yeah. Secrets are difficult when you're yeah, little. No, I know. Especially when you're a turd like him. So, Christmas is ruined once again. Christmas thanks to is my not children. Ruined, Stephen. It's not about the whether it's a secret. It's about whether it's a heartfelt gift and the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> PSA fish cakes. Is, is Ant Man ruined now that Paul Rudd is, uh, has been cast as Ant Man? I say no. I think Ant Man is probably unruined because. I, and I say this as a lover of minor superheroes, both big and small, of which Ant-Man is both. Mm-hmm. There's nothing particularly awesome about Henry Pym, the Ant-Man. There's no. a lot of barnacles on the character, but it's not like, you know, an instantly relatable thing where you're just like, oh, it's something, you know, iconic like Iron Man or Superman. It's not even something ironically iconic like your black lightning or your wildfire i mean ant-man was stan lee's failure in the 60s ant-man was pretty much the one thing that spectacularly flamed out in terms of early marvel but i think that putting rudd in there gives you two things one it gives you you've got a known actor a known quantity playing the role so people might come and you know you get a little bit of that robert downey jr kind of buzz Mm -hmm. and two it makes me wonder how are they going to take what Paul Rudd does on film most of the time and make Brian Fantana into a cool Hank Pym. The, I want to uh, go see this movie now with Paul Rudd, even yeah. though beforehand I was just like, meh. The Marvel press release says the casting of Rudd represents the actor that Marvel had long ago identified as its first choice to play Ant-Man, continuing the studio's desire to cast ac- actors that bring several dimensions to uh, it's on screen heroes. The film's plot is being kept under wraps. <laughs> I, I still wonder. I still wonder. You know, long ago it was rumored. There's a lot of rumors. We'll get to some more news here in just a minute. It was rumored uh, quite a while ago that Ant Man has always been in the Avengers movies. Really? And one of the plots that I have heard as a rumor is that we are going to see Ant Man doing all of his Ant Man things inside the Avengers movies from the <laughs> Ant Man perspective. That would be kind of neat if we find out that Ant-Man has been hiding behind the scenes. Maybe Ant-Man is, and maybe it's going to be subtitled The Secret Avenger. Ooh. Oh, that's nice. Can you imagine, though, having Ant-Man standing on the table as Bruce Banner grabs for the scepter? Yeah. And Ant-Man is like... Is trying to hold it down. Is trying to hold it down. Or, you know, that scene when when, uh, uh, Tony needs... uh, his Iron Man uh, rockets to fire so he can get the propellers sp- spinning. Maybe it's Paul and maybe it's Ant-Man in there rewiring Ooh. everything and giving him a, a little extra boost. Cool. I, I kind of love this idea. You know, and if you, that moment where, you know, Phil's about to die, yeah, Ant-Man, Ant-Man is like jumping the bullet. on his chest, yeah, yeah. jumping on his chest, giving him CPR. Yeah. We're d- yeah. Hoocha, 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 a lobster. 
I mean, the interesting thing is here we've got Edgar Wright, uh, who has been doing very humorous uh, takes on things and sometimes very serious. I mean, I like what he's done with uh, Simon Pegg in the uh, in the in the three movies that they've worked together on. Um, I, I think Paul Rudd, most people know as a comedian. And if you did something that is lighthearted, but I think uh, Paul Rudd can also do some serious stuff. Um, I, I think this could come together really nicely. The one thing that we don't know is this, is this really Hank Pym, um, right. as Ant-Man because they don't say anything in the press release as Hank Pym, Ant-Man. They just say Ant-Man. So what's this other Ant-Man? Uh, well, there's two cr- of them. There's, yeah, yeah. there's Scott, Scott Lang, the second Ant-Man who was a criminal who stole Hank's Ant-Man gear after Hank had moved on to being Yellow Jacket. Mm-hmm. But there's also the third Ant-Man, the 2000-era ironic uh, kind of Ant-Man, who's Eric O'Grady, who's just a jerk, who is this utter jerk-faced jerk, who's also a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, mm. but is just throughout his story. It's called the Irredeemable Ant-Man for a reason. He is this bastard-coated bastard with bastard filling who gets superpowers and then tries to learn to be a better character, try to be a better person, and keeps failing. I wonder if that wouldn't either one of those two characters just on the description that you've yeah. given would work in a movie like this. You know, here's a villain that steals the suit from S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. And in the course of um, the uh, the scrolls attacking or I'm sorry, the Cathari or whatever they're called, the Cthulhu's. The, 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 yes, he has to become he has to become the hero. Yes, I, I think that would work uh, quite well in this. And then somebody who's a jerk that works for S.H.I.E.L.D., who's forced into wearing this Ant-Man suit and becomes a greater person, also works as a story. So I think the interesting thing that we don't see in all of this is if this is Hank Pym, what about Wasp? Wasp? Well, Hank Pym was around for a good 14 issues without the Wasp. Well, depending on how you do the math. Hank Pym first appeared in a pre-Marvel monster comic as the man in the anthill. He basically learned how to shrink and was dragged down an anthill. And then they said, oh, let's take this basic concept and turn it into a shrinking superhero. And then maybe... What what year was that? 1961. Okay. Ant-Man was one of the really early ones because he was a founding Avenger in 63. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tales of Suspense, I think 30... 27, I believe, is the man in the anthill. I want to say... 35 is where he puts on his costume and maybe 47 or 49 is the first appearance of the wasp. But uh, my tales of suspense is notably weak. Even as a comic nerd, I'd have to actually go and check my references. You know, it's the night before Christmas and all through the house. I don't give a crap. Yeah. yeah. um, They had, they adapted. (laughs) Apparently they adapted that um, for Avengers Earth, the mightiest heroes this past October. I haven't seen it. Ooh, um, do some pretty good I, ratings. I was trying to look the was, one where they brought in uh, Ms. Marvel, Carol, Bramistat. Um, the uh, the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes is the one that has like a super lot of potential. Yeah, but then they keep jumping the story around all the time. So at one point you see Carol Danvers floating in it, and she's like, uh, "Guys, yeah. there's something going on." And then they cut to, and then it's another story the next week, and it's never followed up on. I do have. A memory. I've seen bits and pieces of those, and I saw a really cool one with like Hawkeye and Hulk. But I haven't sat down and watched them in any kind of order. Yeah, you should. They're all they're they're not bad. Um, they're actually all pretty good. So you can uh, check that story out over at Majorspoilers.com. And this episode of Major Spoilers, spoilers. We're going to go do some uh, grilling later. 
Uh, this episode of Major Spoilers is brought, brought to you by our friends at TweakedAudio.com. When you go over to TweakedAudio.com, you can select from one of their awesome headphones. Took a pair with me uh, this weekend as I went to uh, Colorado Springs to do the fam- my family side of the Christmas. Able to pop those in and listen to them in great sound all the way there and all the way back. Also drowning out the noise of four all under six children running around the house. So they're great. And best of all, when you go over to tweakedaudio.com and when you check out, you can use the code MAJOR to get 33% off your price. Where's that again, Matthew? Uh, tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com. So the other Sorry, news. I, I'm dumb. The other news that came out on Monday, which really shouldn't be a big surprise, uh, no. confirmed by Marvel, although most of us had speculated and guessed that it was the case months ago. It's, it's- more than speculating. I mean, you've been flat out saying oh, yeah, this yeah, yeah. pretty much all summer long. Vin Diesel is Groot. Uh, Marvel I came out. Groot. Marvel came out and said the star of the Fast and Furious and Riddick's franchise will lend his voice to Groot in Marvel's live-action Guardians of the Galaxy, rounding out the team that includes Star-Lord, played by Chris Pratt, Rocket Raccoon by Bradley Cooper, Gamora, played by Zoe Sal- uh, Saldana, and Drax by Dave Bautista. Uh, played by and, Dave Bautista. Uh, Yondu, played by uh, Merle from The Walking Dead. Okay. Uh, so any, uh, big surprise there? Do you think, uh, do you um, think Vin Diesel no, is going to be, Vin, is he going to be relegated? Is he going to be relegated to just saying, I am Groot throughout the whole movie? It'd be funny if he was, I kind of love the, I am Groot joke, but I think it plays better in print than it would on a, on a television screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to stunt cast Vin Diesel, then again, I mean, Vin Iron Diesel, Giant, man, Iron Giant didn't say much. But it worked. It yeah. Now that I think about it, this is typecasting. Pretty much. Vin Diesel is playing another inhuman alien from space who's giant. Man, <laughs> you said inhuman. Yeah, I are, did. Are, you, are you all on board for inhumanity? You know what? If the, it means the wiping of the X Men, the wiping of the X Men, the wiping. Yeah, pretty much. The X Men. I don't need to know about that. I don't believe they're going to wipe out the X-Men. I, I, I believe that the that this Terrigan mist thing is going to take over where mutants used to be, but I think the X-Men are still going to be the X-Men and be the X-Men when they're actually going Do you think we'll see as many crossovers with the X-Men going forward? Oh, sure. I don't think the X-Men are ever going away. I think that uh, at this point, the X-Men are... That's the word I'm looking for. An institution. Sure they are. And they're not they're not going away. They're not you know, there will be the illusion of change. But twenty years from now we'll still be talking about Cyclops being dull and the angel not having a solid character and the beast being smart and Jean Grey being dead again. All right. But, but are you gonna start reading this in humanity arc? I don't know. I, the problem that I have with it is I love fraction. Yes. But there's a, there's a thing that happens when I love a character, you know, you'll love an artist or a writer like Van Lenti or Parker, or, you know, even Bendis, when you put them on a big name title, they have to change their game up because they're now on a big name title. If he's going to be the centerpiece of the Marvel universe, I'm wondering if the stuff that I love about fraction, you know, in Hawkeye and, Iron Fist and sex criminals is necessarily going to play in Peoria. And I'm afraid that, you know, first of all, I'm afraid that I'm going to get sucked into crossover after crossover after crossover, which is exactly what Marvel wants you to do. But Marvel wants me to do a lot of things that I don't do. 
Marvel wants me to not eat cheese, but, you know. I don't think they've ever come out and said, Matthew, we don't want you to eat cheese. No, they're all like, be healthy. Don't smoke. Wolverine can't smoke anymore. And the thing can't eat cheese because it's not healthy. Cheese is really healthy for you. Is it? Especially especially some Swiss cheese. Mm. How about a wagon wheel? <laughs> Listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can check out these stories and many more. And even though it is the holiday, we are still uh, updating the website, although it may not be as uh, much as we have. But you should be able to go over the holiday break and see some great things, including... Uh, some of your favorite podcasts, of course, the Major Spoilers podcast out today. We had the Munchkin Minute earlier this week, as well as Wayne's Comics. Matthew and I will be sitting down and doing another dueling review this week over uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special. So you'll want to check that out. And, of course, Critical Hit on Friday. It's all part of the Major Spoilers podcast network. You can find that on iTunes or right over there at Majorspoilers.com. Dot com. Oh, also this holiday season is a good time to thank everyone who's become a Major Spoilers VIP over at members.majorspoilers.com. You know, $5 a month is really all we're asking. Uh, you'll be guaranteed to keep the site going and the show and all of your favorite podcasts going and allowing us to continue to grow and do more things for you. Um, $5 a month isn't really that much. Um, less than a pizza, right? I don't That's know what true. pizzas are going for these days. 12 bucks. 12 bucks. Holy crap. That's what I generally pay. Holy well, and crap. I, also, I, I pay the delivery charge. So. Holy crap. So $5 is like a steal. Oh, yeah. But listen to this. $5. So people so people not only for five. Well, yeah, many comic books you can't get. So for $5, you become a silver member. You not only get to help the Major Spoilers website and the Minor Spoilers website continue to grow. You also get to support all of the podcasts in the, in the Major Spoilers podcast network. But because you are a silver member, you can head over to Major Spoilers and you can get access to cool free stuff. Over at members.majorspoilers.com, you get some free critical hit art that you can't find anywhere else. You get access to our character sheets from uh, Critical Hit, a Major Spoilers Dungeons and Dragons podcast. You get some behind the scenes stuff. And in the new year, maybe access to some other things. It's all over at members.majorspoilers.com. Thank you, everybody, for your support. Really, we mean that from the bottom of our hearts, because without you, we wouldn't be able to grow this uh, thing that we've been growing for the last seven years and plan to continue to grow for seven more. Silver members. Oh, if you want to, if you want to go up silver a little bit members. higher, if you want to go silver and gold members, Matthew. Silver and gold members. Silver and gold members. Hey, if you are a gold member, not only do you get everything that the bronze and silver access people get, but once you get a month, to fight Austin Powers. <laughs> once a month, you get to sit down and enjoy our live chat that we stream only for our gold members over at members.majorspoilers.com. And in December, that yes. live chat was a magic gift to all the spoiler. That's right. We did it for so free. You can see, you can see what you want, what you want to get, and maybe I'll even be involved next time, assuming I wake up. On yes, time. and that your kid doesn't have to go to the hospital or whatever it was. Uh, she didn't have to go to the hospital. She just had a super high blood sugar and a. Oh boy! High blood sugar you leads know my... to copious vomiting. Well, and for my son, if he doesn't go poo, he ends up throwing up a lot too. Ew. Yeah, I know. <laughs> why why would you tell me that? Why <laughs> I don't would know. We were up? talking about throwing up stories, so I thought we'd get to that right before we got to our reviews. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I am all out of sorts. You are out of sorts. <laughs> Carol of the Bells. This week from uh, Boom Studios. There are very few comics coming out this week. In fact, uh, today is New Comic Book Day, as most comic book shops are going to be closed on the 25th. 
But from Boom Studios, I picked up Deceivers number one, written by uh, Stephen Grant, art by Jose Cardone, I don't know how to say this guy's last name, Blasi? Jose Cardona Blasi. Blasé? I don't know. That sounds good. Um, So Lincoln McCord and a Prince uh, Zaruka are two American con men living abroad in Europe. You know how, uh, um, what was that Steve Martin movie? (laughs) With uh, Michael Caine? Yeah, yeah. Dirty rotten, scoundrels. dirty rotten scoundrels. You know how that is. How May I use how the Europe? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <thank> okay. <laughs> That's a great movie. But you know how Europe is just loitered with uh, uh, con men and people trying to steal things. <laughs> yes, just fill the. You know the streets are just they're loitering all over the place. So uh, and and they are apparently in this book because in the first I want to say twelve pages we're introduced to at least half a dozen con men in Europe. All in the same place. Apparently, someone is upset that there's this uh, guy. You know how in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, there was this guy called The Fox. Or La Fox. Lefo. Um, so yeah. here in this book, there is a thief called Ulysses. And uh, you know that you've been robbed by Ulysses because he leaves a copy of Ulysses behind. And, uh, and now some stuff is starting to go together where people are starting to crack down on these uh, despots, these uh, ne'er-do-wells, these uh, people that prey on the 1%. How dare they? And, uh... I know. There's not... There's. I gotta tell you, this wasn't a very good first issue. If this is a bigger... You know, this is gonna lead to a much bigger, complete story. But in this, we're introduced to Lincoln McCord, who's kind of a... Excuse me, a cowboy guy. And this Prince uh, Zaruka, who's a prince, uh, you know... Dashing and slick and all that stuff. And they're trying to get out of con and they meet up with another con artist, a female con artist. Excuse me, a little sneeze there. Uh, yeah, science. Um, so in order for them to uh, get out of their predicament, they're going to have to work together. But we don't know really what that predicament is, except everyone thinks that one of these three is Ulysses. Does that make sense? Probably not, because that's kind of how that's kind of how I felt about this this issue. It's a it's a good setup. I think they could have done a little tweaking to make the story a little bit more clear on exactly what's going on, because they're really not clear. Um, the art was fine. I think there's some really good art in this, but the story was just eh, better than average, right. but not spectacular to the point where I'm guaranteed that I'm going to go back and read the next issue. Yeah, I mean, what I'm going to do is give this three slices of meatloaf out of five. I think it's a so, I, I think it's a good start to a, a much more uh, solid story, but it didn't just rope me in like I thought it would from a from a first read. But if you're looking for something to pick up this week, Deceivers number one, three slices of meatloaf, yeah, at least check it out. Cool, I guess. Now, Matthew, I'm interested in yours because I kind of avoided it for mainly the cover. <laughs> But yeah, uh, the, the cover is a little. What uh, happens when James Bond has to face consequences with all those women that he's been with over the years? Well, that's kind that of the premise. Is... That's the premise of Illegitimates Number One from IDW Publishing. Correct. Essentially, Illegitimates Number One is well, Rodrigo called it a few days ago. It's Dynamo Five in the spy genre. Yeah, but the Illegitimates is interestingly written by Taron Killam or created by Taron Killam who many people know as 
uh, a member of the Saturday Night Live troupe, and other people know as the guy who gets to sleep with Kobe Smulders. Mm, okay. um, but written by Mark Andreco, who I remember right. from Manhunter. And it's this is a really interesting setup for a first issue because it plays into James Bond, or in this case, Stone. Jack Steele, forgive me, not Stone. Stone and Steel, it's all the same thing. Jack Steele is, of course, a super spy. It starts in 1962 when Jack Steele is played by uh, John Bonnery. And then it jumps to 1978, where he's played by Flodger Boer. And in each time frame, we see him meeting another girl, another woman in the midst of his little adventure. You know, in 1982, he's in Japan and he's played by Smear Spoznan. And uh, we get to the point where he's an old man. And you, throughout this story, we see him interacting with various different women. He's an old man. He's still the top uh, hero, the top spy at Olympus. But he's, you know, he's losing a step. And finally, against his evil arch nemesis, Danikor, which, by the way, is a weird name. Jack Steele gives up the ghost. And by gives up the ghost, I mean is viciously, brutally, and really, really horribly decapitated on panel with his whole face exploding. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it is graphic. Um, artistically, actually, up to that point, I keep seeing kind of a, a Rob Liefeld vibe. To oh, in, the art. in some of the art, yeah. Yeah, not necessarily a bad thing. Because, you know, you say Rob Liefeld and people have a lot of stuff, but there's kind of a, a 90s comic vibe with speed lines and everybody has, you know, white hair and a widow's peak. But it still kind of works for me, even though there is that big graphic death. And we find that his handlers have a plan in place. They keep their feathers numbered for just such an emergency. Mm -hmm. And that plan is called Project Sire. Project Sire is identifying five children. The first one, Vin Darlington, expert marksman. Kaikin Kaze, gearhead extraordinaire. Salinge Machumba, by the way, love that name. Uh, his daughter, who was from Africa, Leandros Antonio Caliestas, who is a master of the martial arts. And a girl named Lordsley, uh, the Miss Moneypenny character, mm -hmm. whose name is Miss Heather Pence in this, which I kind of find funny. Had a sick day several years ago, and uh, Steele decided that he liked the look of her sick day replacement. <laughs> and so one of the secretarial pool is his fifth child. And I, I kind of love the buildup and the setup in this issue. It, it's kind of like the Planeteers yeah. in that Steele has one child who is Asian, one who's Hispanic, one who is you know African in, in the sense of being from Africa, one who's a super blonde, and one who's this kind of mousy, dark-skinned girl with dark hair. And I'm like, they're they're building the Planeteers here. What kind of power is Hart anyway? But as the issue ends, we've basically been introduced to these five children, and we realize now that the villain also knows about the five children. Mm -hmm. And then tum 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 to be continued. This is really well structured, and even though the cover is a little, gosh, I don't even know what to call it. The cover is just a little disturbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be frank, because it's you know it's the basic James Bond with uh, hot girls hanging all over him, but they are like ridiculously pregnant. Yeah, like nine months pregnant. Yeah, 
22 and I months pregnant. Know, I don't know if the problem is that they seem to be super sexualized and pregnant, which I guess does kind of go together. It's not like it's a, a terrible cover or a, a no. graphically evil cover. It's just it's a weird sort of moment that you have to process. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. if you if you like the James Bond type of story, this might be something interesting. I'm a sucker for an origin tale. If you give me a first issue, that's a good first issue, an origin, an introduction to the world, which this is, that also serves as an interesting story, which this gives me the first inklings of. You know, I'm I'm definitely in to see where this book goes. The one complaint I have is that by setting it up the way they do, not a whole lot happens. I mean, we see flashbacks. There are several flashbacks. We see Steel getting killed, and then the rest of the issue is talking head sequences, which mm-hmm. it works. It balances well. Uh, all in t- all told, three and a half slices of meatloaf for illegitimates number one. It's definitely interesting. I'll check out number two. It's one of those things that I will remember to check out number two, and if number two is is as strong or better than this, I'll probably start picking the book up. But this is a you know at least a promising open, a good place to start. Cool. Well, maybe I will flip through it and read it. You should totally read it because it's all, right. all like got girls and everything. What'd you say? Three and a half slices. Three and a half slices of meatloaf. All right. Cool. Three and a half slices. And listeners, majorspoilers dot com. You can find even more reviews over there, including the latest review of Saga issue number seventeen from Brian Saga. K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Um, good stuff Major over there spoilers. at Major Spoilers. You guys don't need to be told that there's good stuff at Major Spoilers, although there may be a few of you who do not visit the website on a regular basis, and we would encourage you to go do it every single day. Because you might miss out on something cool. Like you may be wondering, why is Rodrigo out this week? Or why is that Zach out this week? These things why have all Zach? been discussed. Basketball. Oh, no. Uh, this week he is on vacation. He's going to go visit his mother in Arizona. My name's Zach, and this is how I talk. And Rodrigo is out visiting his family in Ohio. Ohio. But that doesn't mean we don't have... soldiers and Nixon's coming. (laughs) Four dead in Ohio. That does not mean that we cannot do a major spoilers poll of the week. Poll of the week, of the week, 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 week. I like a poll, and this is the poll of the week. Hey, 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 hey. All right, why don't we get into a fighty, fighty poll of the week? This one's pretty simple. Fighty, fighty? Iron okay. Man versus Cyborg, go. Iron Man. Why? Well, there's two reasons that I say this. One, if you look at, and again, I am pretty oh, much that's right. talking I know. 80s Iron Man versus 80s Cyborg. Not necessarily the new Justice League of America Cyborg, who may have powers and abilities far beyond those that I'm familiar with. Vic Stone can lift about five tons. He's kind of a, he was kind of a smart guy. He had like modular attachments that he could put on his hands and go pew pew and blast you. Whereas Tony Stark was kind of like the Swiss Army superhero. And he'd be all like, oh, look, a pew pew pew. And he'd be flying around and zapping, zapping Ablamicus in the pew pew pew. I say Iron Man because historically speaking, again, not as familiar with the current new 52 cyborg. I feel like Iron Man is a little bit more. What's the word I'm looking for? Versatile. I think in the in the fastness. Mm-hmm. And plus, Tony Stark is a super genius, whereas Vic Stone is just a really awesome guy. It would be a fight. Don't get me wrong. It would take some time. 
it wouldn't be an easy battle by any means, but I, I feel like Iron Man would take it. I, I went with Cyborg because I think with all of the uh, way that he's communicating with all of his technology, and yeah. he probably has a built-in Wi-Fi, I think he would probably tap into Tony's system and just shut it down and then go to town on Tony Stark. Just punch him in the face. And just punch him. Dead. Yeah, until he's dead. Punch <laughs> Tell he's dead. Because, you know, uh, where that's what is super- your Robert Downey Jr. Now? <laughs> that, that's what happens with superheroes. You know, they kill people these days when they get into a fight. So, especially DC superheroes. Yeah. Well, hey. if, they, if they don't rip out your spine and show it to you, you're probably not that big a threat. I, I'm sure people have a lot to say on this argument. But, uh, Matthew, what are what are what are people saying right now? Or, I'm sorry. What are people saying with their votes right now? Not their comments. I'm looking at the website for the poll of the week, and I'm not finding it because I forgot to update the website at Majorspoilers.com. You should go there. It's along the Wait, right side. It? it says, who would win in a fight? Iron Man or Cyborg? Iron Borg or Cyman. La, 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 la. 79 votes in, uh, basically three to one, 76% saying Iron Man, 24% Cyborg, uh, probably because Iron Man was drawn by Adi Granoff, whereas Cyborg was drawn by, it seems to be Mike McCone. Mm, okay. That's, that's not true, actually. The McCone drawing is much more attractive. I think but, that's a 3D render of that Iron Man. Yeah, and I think that, well, I, I thought that Adi Granoff was the guy who did like 3D rendering. For I don't Iron know. Man. He used to do covers that looked like Iron Man was computer generated. Mm. I'm just saying. Listeners, you can head over to the website. You can cast your vote. You can share your comment on how this fight went down all over at Majorspoilers.com. Now, the other thing you need to do while you're over there is you need to pick yourself up a copy of the Starman Omnibus Volumes 1 through 5. Yeah, and you can do that quite easily by clicking on that Amazon.com banner. And ordering all of your trade paperbacks, all of your products. I mean, even though it is technically Christmas, you can't get anything that you order from Amazon by Christmas that haven't got the drones going yet. Not yet. But, you know, you maybe get some Christmas money and you want to spend it wisely and uh, you want to uh, help out your friends at Majorspoilers.com. You click on that Amazon banner, a little bit comes back our way. A little bit goes a long way when people use the banner. Over at Majorspoilers.com. conversation, a little more action. A little less conversation, a little more oh, action, please. You know what's uh, really crazy? What's that? Is oftentimes when I've got the iPad or the iPod going, I'm listening to music. Um, I'll, I'll have it running at like one and a half speed instead of double speed. And all of a sudden the music has a really cool beat to it. I mean, it doesn't pitch shift it or anything. But it just has a really great, fast beat to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really awesome. And then you go back and you listen to, like, Elvis's <laughs> real version of Little Less Conversation. And yeah. suddenly it's like, this, this song's really kind of slow and, and, and boring. And it's really weird. I've, I've spoiled myself on many a music by uh, accidentally doing that. Dude, you, can, you can't time shift music faster. In order to appreciate more of it, that's that's no, just no, no. Crazy. It's just like I'm not paying attention. I'll switch off a podcast that I'm listening to and go listen oh. to some music, or it dumps into Coverville, uh, the song, the show by Brian Ibbett that you can find on the Frog Pants uh, Network. And all of a sudden, I'm just listening to this music, I'm like, man, this has got a really fast beat, really good, 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 poppy, snappy. The conversation's going good, and then you play it back in real time. You're like, wow, this song is slow. Stephen's favorite Christmas carol. 
is Carol of the Bells, and it goes Carol of the Bells. I don't think you know how Carol of the Bells goes. No, that's how Carol anyway, of the Bells goes. Starman on the Volume other one that Five. Nutcracker sweet, Nutcracker sweet, Nutcracker sweet, Nutcracker sweet. So uh, Starman is back. Uh, Rodrigo yes. is out, which means that we can do Starman again. And people say, well, why does Rodrigo have to be gone for you guys to do Starman? Because the first time we we reviewed Starman, he says, I hate Starman. Starman sucks. Starman sucks. And so I never never want to read Starman again. And Matthew and I said, fine, we will review Starman when you're not around. And so for the last couple of years, although we didn't do it last year for some reason. we Uh, I think we were drunk. Or, oh, I know, maybe the Omnibus hadn't been released yet. It may have been that, or it may be that we didn't do a Christmas episode. Oh, that may have been, yeah, because the holiday may have fallen on the wrong time or whatever. I think it fell at a point when I was working and we just decided that we would have a holiday skip week. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this go around in Omnibus 5, we have a lot of different artists, but the main artist that we have is uh, Peter Snidgeberg. I think it's Schneeberg. Schneeberg. He's a Danish comic book artist. He's he's a good artist. He is, but the thing that I think many people picking up this volume will instantly notice is that there's no Tony Harris art. And I'm I'm really sort of fine with that. Are you? Okay. Yeah, I guess there's I'm, also I, some Mark Buckingham in here that I really enjoy. Yeah, I, I guess I was not prepared for it because like in the very first story, and this is yeah. the one thing that, that Rodrigo would like because he did like the O'Hare family. Uh-huh. Um, basically, the first issue in this volume is catching the reader up to everything that's been going on in Opal City. So we have yes. um, uh, Ted Knight, the original Starman, sitting down and having a cup of tea with, um, with the Shade. The shade and Who was, by the way, one of the Justice Society's terrible, terrible foes back in the day. Right, and they're just having a conversation about what's been going on in Opal City. So we catch up on the O'Hares. We get to see what they're all doing and what some of the other heroes in Opal City are doing. Um, but the thing that threw me off is the art makes Ted Knight look so young. <laughs> and I, I, again, I'm kind of fine with that too. I, I love the fact that Starman, like Sandman from Vertigo is a book that works in different art styles. There, you know, like, Oh yeah. yeah. You don't see a whole lot of, of art changes on books that are really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Organic. Mm-hmm. But this is one where you can do, oh, and look, that's the shade. I can clearly see that's oh, yeah, the shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's Matt O'Dare. That's Crystal O'Dare. That's uh, Davey Dan, O'Dare. Dan O'Dare. I don't know the whole family. Yeah, Dan Diddy O'Dare. So that's, that's kind of nice. That kind of gets you into this book because the one thing, because it's been a couple of years since we've done Starman. Yes. Um, Jack Knight and Michael, what's his Michael's last names? Um, uh, Michael... I don't know that Michael has a last name. So the 70s star man have decided that they're going to go out into space. Michael Thomas. That's it. Oh, there you go. Uh, They've decided to go out into space looking for uh, Jack's girlfriend's brother, Will Payton, who also was a star man. Correct. And so they're off planet. And this whole volume is them in outer space. So if you don't like outer space stories, time travel stories, um, Time, space, dimension yeah, time, space, dimension stories. This volume is probably not for you, especially when we get into the second issue in this volume, um, which is, I don't know, this is one of those problems with uh, big company-wide events, is that they, uh, they can kind of wreck a really good story. And in this case, we were right in the middle of the DC 1 million oh. um, event. And I don't even remember what the deal was, why we had to jump forward a million years to Grant see Morrison. what was. Oh, okay. 
Morrison uh, gave us the story of a million years from the first episode of, of the first uh, issue of Action Comics. Would the Justice League still be around? And the answer is yes. Oh, OK. Well, yes, that's good, will. because we know that they're uh, alive in the year 3000. The 832nd century. So if you mentioned JLA 3000 <laughs> again, I'm leaving and going home. So this issue features a star man from the year one million who comes back and meets and, and is a direct descendant of Ted Knight. Yes. And uh, this guy really doesn't like the fact that he's had uh, the star man uh, responsibilities put upon him. Yes. Sort of thrust upon him, if you will. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, I, Ted is still proud of him. He's like, even though you're kind of a villain and kind of a dick, I'm still proud to know <laughs> that the uh, that the, the, that the Starman name goes on. True. And when you look at the placement of the story, there's really no other place that that particular story would have worked in this volume. It really wouldn't have. Because of the way. And the thing that's really great about that first chapter, uh, Dark City, is it sets up things that we don't see for a year and a half. Yeah. You know, the, the, the stuff that starts in that first chapter that, that Robinson sets up, actually, we don't see those until chapter, well, the next volume, essentially, the next collected omnibus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By the end of this omnibus, we still haven't gone back and dealt with the fact that on that last page, secrety things happen. Yeah. So if you, if you got to throw that one million story in there, that's, I suppose, a place to do it. So, so Jack and Michael are out in outer space. They're in a kind of a Jules Verne type rocket ship that yes, really shouldn't that, be able to do the things that it can do. The shade, I believe, either created or owned think, that rocket. Yeah, and I think Ted worked on it a little bit too. Um, but uh, what's happened is not only has Ted used some of the cosmic rod energy to make the ship fly super fast, almost as fast as light. But um, Orion has integrated a mother box into the ship so that it can go through wormholes and jump across galaxies super quick. And so they're going to get across to another galaxy in about three weeks. So they've got about three weeks of stories that that they can tell. Also, one of the cool things that happens in this ship is that um, uh, the mother box has taken on the persona of Jack's father, Ted Knight. And so he gets to have some interactions with his father because they've basically cloned him in a, uh, you remember like uh, the doctor uh, from, uh, what was it, Deep or, um, Voyager? Yes. You know how he Deep. was cloned off of a... Please state the nature of your medical. Yeah, yeah. But he has all the memories of his, his real self up until the point that they were cloned. Yeah. Uh, or captured or whatever that they do, digitized him. There you go. That's, that's what they did with uh, Ted Knight in this book. So... They're zipping through space, and they have some some adventures, and then the book is over. Yeah, Ben. <laughs> there are some interesting stories, though. I mean, uh, probably the biggest one that you and I were talking about before the show began was when they went through a mysterious uh, shade cloud of some kind and wound up in the year... In yeah, they wound the up in the future. And they yes. get to meet another star character by the name of Starboy. Tom Callor. Oh, uh, it should be noted, however, that this is Tom Callor version 2.0. What's the difference? Uh, this this is the Starboy from your Legion. Yes, I know. The 1994 Archie Legion reboot. The original Starboy 
Tom Callor version 1.0 is different from this Starboy in that he doesn't suck. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. There are several good Starboys out there. There's the cool Starboy from the Volume 3 Legion that we saw in the cartoon. There's a decent Starboy who ended up growing a beard. And then there's this schmuck. Now, I will say this for for Tom Callor.2.0 here. He has one killer moment when uh, he's like, wait, I know you. I'm Jack Knight. You used to be Starman. Yeah, well, yeah. It's good to know I'll be remembered. Not by everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were some good comments Doosh. in there. Turns out that uh, that the shade uh, has been alive all this time, and he's the one that's causing these these problems. Not uh, not by his own ill will or anything, but just because I don't know. And Robin writers a story to tie some things together, like Michael Thomas appeared mm-hmm. in 1977 and didn't really have an origin. Right, he was an alien. Right, and the. Uh, Tom Keller 2.0 brings with him Tasmia Malor 2.0. Yes, the yes. Team, the tag team of Malor and Kalor. Mm-hmm. Tasmia Malor, better known to the world as Shadowlass or Umbra. Yeah, yeah. An alien from the planet Talok 8. Well, Michael Thomas is also blue like her, and he comes from planet Talok 3. Yep. Which is, explains why. better. That's why it explains why he has red hair and she has black hair. No, that explains why he's a slightly different color of blue. Oh, but okay. More, more importantly, for the first time in his history, Michael Thomas origin and a Uh-oh. place of, of of origination. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is kind of cool. Uh, so they're way in the future, and uh, time calculations have to be performed. They have to whip around the sun, save some whales in order to get back to their own time period. Only problem is they Mr. miscalculated. Computer. They miscalculated the weight of transparent aluminum and wound up in 1922 on the far side of the galaxy, landing on a small blue-green planet known as Krypton. Krypton! And we get to meet a young Jor-El. Yes, a 17-year-old Jor-El, which this really is... God, I hated this story. (laughs) The problem with it is young Jor-El taking place at this point in the universe is still the John Byrne Jor-El. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, it's, I don't know, it's always weird when you have a character who's known for being paternal. And you have him be a teenager. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just I just hated how they're trying to force, they're trying to say, oh yeah, you're going to have to remember Earth. Earth is where people look like us. Oh, we've I've given you video files of, of what humans look like, so yes. you will remember them, and we've given you the binary coordinates. And someday when you guys decide that you want to build rockets and get off this planet, maybe, maybe you'll come and visit us on Earth, as uh, Jor-El calls it. U-R-T-H. Well, it, it's important to remember that James Robinson does this and this i mean this quite frankly is what robinson has done since the very first issue of starman is tie together things that probably don't make sense you know he brought back michael thomas who before this series had had one single appearance oh yeah yeah Yeah. and he tied all these loose ends up the fact that he's able to make these things work as a story at all works for me and the fact that he's taken his character, Jack Knight, who is his character and also his character, and made him important to everything in the DC universe, it's a little bit Mary Suey, but it also yeah. is kind of 
fun in a weird way. I guess. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's the way that, um, you know, in less than a generation, the, it seems like Krypton's belief system is totally changed in less than a generation. So in the next 15 years mm-hmm. or 20 years or whatever it is, by the time that Jor-El grows up, there's a different way of thinking or approach to how the society is run, uh, at least from what we're given in this story. So that's the, you know, maybe that's the bias that I have in it, but it's well, just like, this, you know, it's, it's the only thing that was missing. The only thing that, missing from this story was, man, someday I will send, I will bring my child with me and we can visit earth together with a cutaway of Jack biting his finger going, if your son grows up and he sets the carpet on fire, <laughs> go easy on him, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. So they uh, they get out of, uh, uh, you know, it, it's one of these stops. It's like this volume is where can we stop and visit all the big spacey spaces yep. uh, that are in the DC universe. And so once they visited Krypton, it's time to recalibrate the uh, the um, um time-space continuum wheel and rocket themselves to the planet of Ron. (laughs) Or Ran. And that's where we meet Adam Strange. Now, the DC universe is an infinite, massive plane full of millions of places where you could end up. So logically, they will always end up somewhere we've seen before. Yes. And somewhere that is important to these two tiny little insignificant character right At, in their buck rogers I, uh, or yeah their buck rogers starship or their flash Gordon starship yeah, it is a great ship and, and the rand story i think the rand story works better for me than the solomon grundy story yes definitely and the rand story does also give jack an important moment where he's badly wounded and badly his wounded. body is re- there's like well 10% of his body is left he's burned to a crisp he's, he's burned to a crisp and they they regenerate him in in a Luke Skywalker back to tank, right? Yes. And what's the first thing that he worries about when he gets out of this back to tank? God, oh my God, where, where are, are my tattoos? tattoos? <laughs> like I said, your body was badly damaged. How much my body? More than not. <laughs> I love the fact that that Jack Knight has that perspective. He goes and he's in this interstellar war, and his first worry is, "Oh my God, I lost my tattoos." Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's what really separates this from just being another superhero title. Well, they're going after one of Michael's um, enemies or another yes. escape prisoner from his planet or something. Turanka. And that actually, you know, this series of events and the fact that Michael is killed um, and then gets regenerated uh, plays an important part later in later in the arc. But before we get to any of that, we get a, uh, a uh, scalp hunter shade story. Uh, from the Chronicles of Shade. The Chronicles of Shade. Times past. Yeah. And that's another thing that's wonderful about this book is the times past stories. Mm-hmm. I like and them. And this, this book really does operate on Sandman theory. Yeah. That it's it's telling a story that doesn't have to be chronologically told. So we can throw in this bit where we can find out what happened that actually brought the Shade to build the ship or whatever's going on. And when he says at one point or in an earlier issue, he's like, no one's been to my home since Scalp Hunter died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then seven issues later, we're like, oh, here's the story of Scalp Hunter. Yeah. And he's dead. 
Yeah, it's great. It kind of is. And he gets reincarnated into uh, Dan O'Dare or whatever. Um, <laughs> the story that I found really interesting was Taxi Cab Confessions. Give us a breakdown of what's going on here. Space Cabby! Is that a real character, or is this something that's Space created Cab- for this? No, Space Cabby is an actual Silver Age DC character. He's a cabbie, right? Yes. From space. Ooh. But the interesting thing about Taxi Cab Confessions is it's a Rashomon story. Where we get a, we get a tale that's being told secondhand, and then somebody interrupts and goes, no, that's not what happened. I'm Space Ranger, another legitimate Silver Age tale. And Space Ranger's like, no, it went like this. And then, of course, we get into the point where they're all like, ha-ha, look at all these things happening. And he's like, no, I know what really happened. I'm Ultra the Multi-Alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every goofy side character in this issue is an actual character mm-hmm. from DC history. And the stories that are being told are fascinating because every time there's a different Starfire from DC's right. history, right, legitimate right. character named Starfire being held by this character. Hold it. What does sapacious mean? It means onion-headed. Can I go on? But it's a, it's a story where we never see the truth of what Jack and Michael face on that planet. Mm-hmm. We, we hear the story told by four different people, and we never really see the truth of the matter. It gets to the end of the story. It's like, who was telling the truth? Maybe all of us. Maybe none of us. You decide. That right there is why I love Starman. Because in a way, you can read that as an infuriating problem. But right. for me, they're leaving the story open to interpretation. So... If I want to believe, you know, say Ultra the Multi-Aliens version, because frankly, he's Ultra the Multi-Alien. How can you not hate Ultra the Multi-Alien? He has four different limbs, each of which has a different power. And like Stone Cold Steve Austin, he fights wearing only one single colored pair of trunks. How is that not the best thing ever? Yeah. But I I really love that story. And again, the reason... That I love this story and the the things that I'm telling you about this story. This is exactly why Rodrigo hates it. Yeah, it it is kind of tied in really deep into a lot of old DC stuff. But the old DC stuff isn't necessarily the point. And then in, in some ways it actually could be seen. And I can definitely see why people would see it as a deterrent. Because you don't know what's going on. Right. Well, yeah, because you look at this and you're like, oh, well, this is like a throwaway story. There's nothing important that's happening in the story. But there is. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the story because they these two get this this wooden cane, this wooden staff that at the minute just doesn't appear to be important and is a very much throwaway story, especially when the next story that follows is an O'Hare family story where they're doing detective stuff and it's a kind of a ties into some old JSA stuff because we see, um, um, phantom, uh, lady appear and do some cool things. Yep. Um, but then it ties into what eventually happens down the line. Yeah. With Dr. Phosphorus. And yes. And then of course we jump ahead and we see kind of what happened on that pirate ship (laughs) because we do get to see all these characters come back again. Mm -hmm. The bad dwarf. Run away from the bad dwarf. I see, and that's my problem is I cannot say 
things that make this sound better. Everything that I want to tell you about this this particular volume, I think really makes it sound like a negative. All of the things that I love here, the fact that the character is not really a heroic central character. Yeah. He's not a great superhero. He's actually kind of a jerk. He's very atypical. He's weird and he's off-putting and there are times when he'll be in the middle of a of a thing and somebody's like i'm gonna torture you tell me what you want to know and he's like i am jack i'll tell you everything i want to know because yeah, I don't yeah. Wanna... yeah. You know, it's just kind of a moment where you're you keep remembering that jack is a regular guy whose dad was an awesome superhero right and not so much jack himself i mean this is the story right am i not i am not misreading this right that we're actually finally getting to see what happened on the pirate ship. Oh, the black pirate story? Yeah, I mean, well, when we get into this, because the character of the pirate mm-hmm. is there as they're battling the masses and trying to fight, so I'm just assuming that this is, we get to see exactly what happened on that ship. I don't know. I, I mean, mean they run into characters like uh, Groot and uh, Timberwolf and uh, <laughs> um, Mousy, Mousy Macoon. Um, they get, they get thrown into the pit of bottomless despair. Yes. The bottomless despair. And then they find Will Payton. Will Payton. And Will Payton. I guess, uh, I guess that one guy would be more like Nova than anything else. You think so? The guy that looks like, uh, Mr. Miracle. (laughs) I can see that. Will Payton, uh, for those who didn't know, is the star man from the nineties. He is known mostly for his God awful pink and yellow costume. And really, that's it, I think. But Will Payton had an origin that didn't make sense, where all of a sudden something magical happened, and he was zapped with this energy from space that gave him giant star powers. This was right after the Crisis on Infinite Earths, when a previous Starman died horribly. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if these two items are related. Are they? Are they? Tigor, by the way, is not Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> Who is he? Tigor then? is an Omega Man. Oh, he's okay. an Omega Man. Okay, All right. he's an Omega Man, man. He's like the Omega. Turns the guy out, who looks like Mister Miracle is Fastback. By the way, okay. All right, isn't um, that a great name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it turns out Will Payton kind of is leaving, leading a double identity. Spoiler. Spoiler. When Will Payton was zapped by the energy from space. That energy was Prince Gavin, the previous Starman, who was, I believe, Starman 5, or maybe 6. It's too crazy for me, to be honest. It, but this is where this wooden staff comes back into play. You know, this, we're, again, we're like seven issues, half a year later, in a monthly release schedule, where yeah. the big fighty-fighty occurs. Yep. Yeah. The wooden staff was Prince Gavin's staff, which... When they created Jack Knight as kind of a synthesis of what had come before, I think they created his cosmic rod to evoke Gavin's staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I don't know. The weird part of it all, and this is where it all ties back together, is Robinson takes all of these unrelated concepts and then kind of bends over backwards to make them work together. But because the main character is so likable... And, you know, because he's kind of just this regular guy, it works for me. It makes oh, yeah, perfect yeah. sense. It, it does. It does. Will Payton, Will Payton, the 90s star man, 
inhabited by the soul of Prince Gavin, the 80s Starman, being saved by the 70s Starman and the Starman of 2004, it it all kind of rolls together for me. It, yeah, makes, yeah. it makes sense that these things have happened so long as you don't think too hard about causality and, you know, confusion and whether there's a, a driving force in the universe that makes all these things happen. Oh, definitely. Plus, <laughs> Medfil, the Green Lantern with a carrot for a head. There you go. I was wondering who that was. Um, That's Medfil. So, bottom line, good guys win the big big war. They're all back on Ron, Ran, and uh, they're going to take, up. they're going to catch a Zeta Beam home. Uh, first goes Michael. Then it's going to be up to Will, but Will says, hey, wait a minute. You know what? I'm going to go meet uh, Princess Westerface. She's in love with uh, the other star man. I have the ability to change into that star man. Why don't I just become right. that star man for a while until I'm tired of it? And then maybe I'll come home. That is not what happens. Will finds that he seems to have Prince Gavin's memories. Yeah, yeah. And he finds that maybe there's more of Gavin in him than he thought. Ew. And so he decides maybe he can stay here for now and figure things out. You know, you make it sound all dirty. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's the thing. He decides he's going to stick around until yep. uh, he gets tired of it or until he decides that really this isn't what he wants. And then he'll go back. So he uh, gives uh, Jack a good uh, hug goodbye. And then uh, Jack uh, flashes off to uh, infinity and beyond and lands back in Opal City. That's a pretty good... Uh, Pretty good shot there by Dr. What's-His-Face. What is, what is that guy's name? Dr. What's-His-Face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that uh, runs oh, the Zeta Beam. Adam Strange's father, Sardath? Yes, father-in-law, yeah. Yeah, Sardath. Sardath is awesome because Sardath is one of those weird Gardner well, Fox characters. But here's the thing. We find out. Nobody likes him. Well, yeah. But we find out that he went and when he was uh, putting... Uh, uh, Jack into the uh, the um, Bactine bath um, that he put probes and, and little microchips inside him to make him do all the things that led them to the rescue of Will Payton. A little bit of a stretch, but OK. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of where this I mean, as far as the Starman stories go, that's kind of where this volume ends, although there's a bunch of extra material there's a whole thing uh, from the Shades Journal that I quite honestly didn't read because it's all text, and I wanted to get through this. Then there is a JSA All-Stars number four that features um, Starman FBI agent. So this would be the uh, Ted Knight uh, Starman, which Starman, is a pretty cool yeah. story. And I, what is this other one? The annual? This is Stars and Stripe Zero uh, that features yep. a, a Starman working with uh, Star and Stripe. Stars and Stripe. The yeah. Star Star Girl or... The Star Spangled Kid, or whatever she calls herself. Star Girl. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. You know how you read the omnibus? Yes. I read the original issue. Yeah. You know, the, right around, I think it's right after this final um, space story is when I actually started picking up and reading Starman regularly and not going back and reading the original stuff, but then just reading. Um, reading the trade. Reading the. No, just reading the single issues. So when we get into the sixth oh, wow. volume, uh, which is the final volume, that is the one where I, I picked up and started reading everything. So, See, I had been reading this since the Zero Issue, Circa Zero Hour, because I was looking for new books to read because Zero Hour was ruining some of my favorite books. But I did not, however, ever buy the Zero Issue of Stars and Stripe 
So I didn't have it to read today. <laughs> well, and that's fine because I didn't My read phones. it either. I mean, it looks pretty. Okay. Um, if you like Stargirl, yes. like, what's her name? Courtney. If you like her. Courtney. And if, if you know the if history you like of some, the DC Universe, yeah. Jack actually does, when he quits being a superhero, he does give the cosmic rod to Courtney. Right. And she becomes Stargirl taking on the mantle of Starman. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So um, uh, she's a likable character. Um, and they've is. got All Star Comics, eighty page giant. I, I didn't read any of this other stuff. I was just like, eh, it's not really part <laughs> of the. I mean, it's part of the continuity of the evolution of uh, Jack right. Knight as a character. It is written by James Robinson, or at least uh, worked on with uh, James Robinson. Star and Stripe number zero is written by James uh, Jeff Johns uh, and James Robinson. Right. Uh, the eighty page giant. Pretty much everything with Star Girl in it is written by James. Oh yeah, Jeff Johns. Uh, David Jeff Johns uh, created Stargirl with a specific purpose. So. David Goyer um, also writes a lot of the uh, stories in this or co-authors them with uh, James Robinson. And, of course, David Goyer, uh, big screenwriter now, working on the Batman movies, uh, working on the Batman versus Superman movie and, and so forth. So basically anything out of Warner Brothers, he's got his hands on. He actually helped to uh, with Jeff Johns, I think, and or James Robinson or maybe both. Helped to create the first Justice Society, the JSA series. Right, right, right. That uh, first launched the JSA into their own title mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. had their name on it. Yep. That wasn't All Star something. I still so, think. Yeah, that was kind of cool. I still think I would like to see a. I mean, it may be dated and that may be the thing that they'd have to work on. I would really like to see uh-huh. Starman, not this volume, but still certainly the first volume, worked on as a as a movie. Or even a TV series, I, or even a Netflix, even one of these Netflix original TV series. I think Jack Knight would make a great series, because Jack Knight is approachable. And if you're doing that thing like, you know, you're Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, where he's a character first and a superhero yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. Jack is one of the earliest successful examples of that in the 21st century. You get to a point where Jack is a better character than he is a superhero. Mm -hmm. And it kind of spills over because, you know, again, something Rodrigo, I believe said he hated was there's an issue where an old villain shows up and he shows up in Opal city before he wants to do something villainy because he wants to hit all the antique stores because he collects Bakelite radio. Yeah. 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 And Rodrigo was like, I hate that. I'm like, I love that because it makes this character seem real it makes the yeah. character a person who also happens to be this terrible villain and, and that's, because of, that's what works about yeah jack. and i think with jack knight's personality i think it would work as one of those original tv series because you could get the violence and the sex in there if you needed to but also because it'd be yeah. great to see jack break the fourth wall and so like when michael first time that you see michael you see you know jack turns to the audience and you hear kind of a, like a little screech and he goes okay wait who's this guy michael let me tell you a little story about Michael Thomas. And then you flash back to and you're telling this 70s story of yeah. Michael Thomas and doing his thing. And then you, you get smash cut super back to freaks and backstabbers. Yeah. And then you right. smash cut back to uh, uh, Jack Knight in the present. And then you just carry on with the story. I think it'd be great. I think it'd work out really well. This volume, I think, is a is a necessary volume. I think it ties in all of the space star men. Uh, that are out there. I mean, we've seen, like I said, Starboy, uh, several different Starmen from uh, 
from the different time periods. We see Will Payton. We see the, you know, they're all here. So this volume is really important if you're looking at the history of all the other starmen uh, that are not part of the Knight family and how they tie in. I'm just not thrilled with this because it's more outer space than set on Earth kind of stuff. And Jack just kind of seems to stumble through it all as it's presented to him. It's kind of all just washes over him and he is more, and I don't want to even say passive. reactionary. He's very passive in this, in this uh, volume. And he's, he's like that in most of the volumes. And really the only big superhero moment in this whole volume. Well, unless you count the, the fight with Jor-El's, uh, Jor-El's father's servants is the big battle on Rand. Right. Jack is a character who doesn't drive his own narrative. Jack is a very laconic character. And he's just like, hey, I'm Jack. How's it going? Yep. He goes to space because his girlfriend said, will you go to space for me to prove you love me? And he's like, sure, I'm a douche. But what comes together and what we get are Robinson takes and he, he does what Roy Thomas used to do in the Marvel Universe. He takes all these threads and kind of weaves them back mm-hmm. into the tapestry where they were sticking out. So Michael Thomas not only has an origin, his origin as a blue-skinned alien makes sense and ties into existing older blue-skinned alien characters. Yeah. And it ties into Legion history where that star boy is out there. Why is there a star boy? Because there's a history of star man that Ted Knight started in 1941. That's the plus, and that's also the negative, especially now that this continuity is two universal reboots back. Right. You know, these tie-ins, this is a tie-in to a Krypton that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. This is a tie-in to a Legion that no longer exists. Right. These are tie-ins to specific things in 1988, 1999, or 1999 and 2000. And these stories are fascinating, but the tie-ins don't necessarily make sense unless you read comics in 1999 and 2000. Mm-hmm. So the the selling point is also the negative in that all of this is tying together threads, but it's threads that have been chopped off the end of the scarf. Yeah, super and the dated. Doctor has you know moved on. Yeah, super dated. That's that's the that's it's the very, probably the big it's thing. It's very two thousand. Yeah, I still it's like it though. I mean, this omnibus collection that DC put out, it's not a super size. It's just a a nice book size that sits on the shelf with the other volumes. And it looks good. And if you're wanting to read, and I think you had a major spoilers um, question of the day up on the site this week or or in the last week, I guess, where you were talking about what is your favorite story that has a a complete beginning to end, uh, a complete run. And and I think Starman is one of those that still really shines because it is a complete story from beginning to end. And we really haven't seen, except for maybe once, Starman outside of James Robinson's hands. And I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's rare at the very least. The paper is good in this one, continues to be good. The color is great. Uh, even though this is a, a fairly thick book, you don't lose anything in the, uh, in the gutter uh, where the binding is at. This is, this is just a good collection to have. And if you've already got the other four volumes, uh, you might as well pick up five and you might as well get six so that we can talk about it next year at the same time. <laughs> uh, even though I'm not a and big... And if you read it... If you read it top to bottom, I think that a lot of the concerns of continuity are lessened yes. because of the context. Yes. Uh, I, I say just go out and pick it up. For nothing else, then, 
it's a wonderful story that just continues from where we left off. If you're not a big space fan, at least just pick it up so that it's in your collection so you're not missing it in case someday down the road you want to say, ah, I'm suddenly into space that you can pick it up and, and go read. I, I'm saying this is a... I've got a report due about space. <laughs> yes, I've got a report due about space. I have space. an Encyclopedia Britannica. Starman Omnibus 5. Starman Omnibus. Yes, so I'm giving this a, uh, a thumbs up. As am I, but you knew that I would because Starman is one of my guilty pleasures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starman is, it's, well, I've been reading comics since 1979, give or take. And there are certain books that define certain eras. This is a book that defines that post-Sandman, turn-of-the-century kind of thing where they finally managed to tie all of the 80s realism, you know, the Dark Knight, I can't armor my head. Right. They managed to tie that into the characters rather than having it be just another gimmick. And it, it does interesting things, especially in the old school DC universe where these characters have been around for 70 or 80 years. Right. Um, Kyle Rayner appears in this in his Tupperware mask. Mm-hmm. So yep. Be warned. If anybody Kyle likes a Rayner's crab on Tupperware the face. Mask is horrible. Yep. You don't ever want to see that. It's disgusting. The only thing worse than his Tupperware mask is the Jim Lee dog collar costume. But again, that's just me. I think that when you break it all down, though, when you really bust it up, you have to look at a book based on the when it came out. Right. Contextually, this was some of the best stuff available in 1999. Probably. And it still reads well, if somewhat dated. I always recommend it, and I will continue to recommend it, even if Rodrigo hates it. Yeah. Normally, he and I, we agree, but meh. Yeah, we don't need that Debbie Downer crushing our, harshing our yeah. buzz here on our Starman ah, love, love Fest on this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. My name's Rodrigo, and I like, I like Goliath and Broadway and Brooklyn and all of them guys who are voiced by Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> all right, listeners, we got to wrap I it up. I don't remember the name of the cartoon, but they're all gargoyles. That wraps it up for this installment of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And really, thank you. We're spreading the word about the Major Spoilers podcast and the Major Spoilers experience. Without you guys and gals and kids and dogs and cats helping us out week after week. I know that <laughs> I, I swear, Matthew, you're going to come home someday with this new cat of yours. And it will, during the day while you were out, hit a button on your on your computer and you will have downloaded like 15 different podcasts that you knew nothing about. But we appreciate the felines out there who are fans of uh, our uh, fictitious uh, facts that we present to you. Um, when I leave for work in the morning, the cat is getting duct taped to the ceiling. <laughs> uh, Peter, that's, uh, Peter, the remarks made by Matthew Peterson do not reflect the views of the major spoilers. Yes, that's or the also major true spoilers. for Katniss. Entertainment LLC. Um, okay, we will be back next week with some more conversation and a future book in the future. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. Have a happy holiday and we'll see you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. 
What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline but would I really even need to read upon all those escapades I mean who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe but the downside is such a beast being shot up in a fine be in the middle east with a king santo and soldier what a major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 Major Spoilers! Major Spoilers is copyright 2013. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.